Previously on Pufwa Exchange. Welcome to the Pufwa Exchange, everybody. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jen. On the Pufwa Exchange, we are going to branch out into many different areas. Firefly, we're doing... Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar Galactica. I would love to do West Wing. Can we do The Office? You know, one week we may do a commentary on Heroes. Next week we may come back and discuss... Mr. Darcy. Darcy. I said Darcy. You you said Darcy. Jen just developed a speech impediment. I think we should discuss the uh, effects of Frito from Godfather on modern literature. And we TV. may do that, and I would I would join in in that discussion if I had any idea what the hell Richard was talking about. He may come back and discuss those infomercials that play on the Sci-Fi Channel at 3 o'clock in the morning with the guy with the, the bald spot who goes on and on about the damn food processor. And the, Set it and forget it? Yeah, and the blonde woman who's like, tell me how it works! Like she's not being paid $18,000 to stand there and look like a cat. <laughs> and- can't forget Farscape. <laughs> Uh, Canaveral? What about when he scams out of the stock market all that He didn't scam it out. He did not. Yeah, he did. He got the insider tip. No, he didn't. Did you even watch the episode? I just want to know how naive his family has to be for him to be like, yeah, I've got a paper conference in India this week. Claire, I've taken care of everything. Believe me, I work in the paper business. This scene right here demonstrates the need to have a prenup. That's a puppet. (laughs) <laughs> yes, P.S., that is not an actual actor. What's a kid going to learn from someone who decided his best option in life was to become a teacher? The Da Vinci Code. I read the books and went, oh, that's a nice story, and put it down. Everybody knows that people in Texas don't have perfect teeth. If they have teeth at all. I make kids wonder. I make them question. I make them criticize. I make them apologize and mean it. You're crazy, but I'll watch your kid anyway for free, like I always do, even though I'm a non-character. Even though the mob is looking for you and your kid. Yeah, but Micah can get her free pay-per-view, though. I make them write, write, write. The next thing I know, I'm having all these off-the-wall comments. So do you beat yourself to get rid of your sin? <laughs> He's like, you need to let your father go. He died ten minutes ago. He has a bow tie. I make a goddamn difference. Now what about you? Pilot's very militaristic in the place. He's like, attention. <laughs> I know. Later on, he's like, good day. Hello. Incoming Hi. fleet, prepare for Starbucks. I personally don't want to get busy amid buckets of pine salt. Really? Nothing turns me on like the smell of ammonia. O'Brien is just a yutz in this episode. He breaks the Enterprise. <laughs> and Kira's in with the orb like, mm, oh, <laughs> <laughs> My generation is more colorblind. Please tell me my destiny. I'm a kid with a soccer ball. <laughs> the race riots in LA? I don't remember. I don't remember the O.J. Simpson trial. And Dargo has a headband. (laughs) It makes him feel pretty. Breaking Dawn, I was there at the bookstore at midnight to get my copy of the book. He's standing there looking down at the screen, talking to Spock. I'm like, all Spock could see was your crotch. He's naked. (laughs) There were girls there that I swear they could not have been older than nine or ten. Their moms had read the first three books with them and thought this next book is going to be just like it. No. (laughs) I think there's a very good horror writer trapped in this woman who is longing to get out. He would be jello on the side of the wormhole. There's no <laughs> way that thing was built to sustain this. When they lean against the shuttle, it like caves in. <laughs> <laughs> this thing was made of plywood. There are a lot of very graphic sex scenes in a lot of fan fiction. And you go back and you look at these authors' profiles and they're like 15 and 16 years old. And if this is what you think sex is like, we as a society are going to have a big problem. Three, two, one, click. Hey, you stupid thing, start! Okay, why don't we go back <laughs> to the main menu? And now, the Pufwa Exchange.
can I ask you another question, Ryan? What's that? Do you think the show would have worked as well, or what do you think would have been different if instead of it being a idealistic far left president, it was an idealistic far right president? I think they, I wouldn't have watched. I think it still would have worked. Most of Hollywood is liberal. Most of the country, I think, is liberal. The problem is none of them vote. So of voters, you see, because I mean, most. Whew, thank God. Whenever they do polls of who do you want to be president, McCain or Obama, polled adults, which means anyone over the age of eighteen was polled. <laughs> problem is, like, of those 92% want Obama to be president, the 6% vote. From a dramatic standpoint, you could have a lot more luck with a liberal president than a conservative president, because I just don't think the country would want to watch that show, and it's, it's <laughs> not... No, it's not meant to be... Like, there's talk radio's huge, and the way it would work is if you have a liberal show, they call it mainstream. If you have a conservative show, they would call it the ultra-conservative of the West Wing. I mean, they just... It just wouldn't work as well. One thing that would be interesting is to see a liberal Republican. You'd have to have someone who believed in conservative causes, but was someone who was respectful of, you know, everyone's opinion. And I think one of the things that you see sometimes, the hardcore left and the hardcore right kind of hate each other. So I think you need a middle of the line person. And there's actually episodes of the show that Bartlett is incredibly, you, you would think he is a, is a right leaning conservative. It's, I mean, it depends what issues you're talking about. Later on in the show, you see them, deal more heavily in foreign policy matters and it's more difficult to tell his his political leanings. I mean, it's not always abortion and gay rights. Yeah, because I was actually going to say, I, I would actually think my, pers- my impression, and I could be wrong, is that the majority of the country is probably socially conservative, but politically liberal. I don't think so. I think most of this country is politically liberal, is fiscally conservative, and on foreign policy matters, I think they're probably more liberal in some areas, libertarian in another. But I don't agree. I think most of this country... I think the far right is a more vocal minority. Right. I think most of this country wants taxes low and abortion legal, if you had to narrow it down that much. And I think that's... Sometimes I think if you had a... If if the show had a very socially conservative president, I don't think it would do as well. But that's just me. I'm actually a more fiscally conservative, extremely socially liberal person myself, so that's just me. I wouldn't watch it, but you know, whatever. Depends who... (laughs) Depends... Well, no, it depends who they have. Welcome back to part... Ah! Crap, wrong podcast. And welcome back... Oh, what podcast? See, Julia... Okay, did you actually fall off your chair that time? It was a scream. No, I was laughing and I leaned back and my headset slipped off. There you go. There you go. All right. And welcome back to the... Julia. And, and welcome back to the Puffwa Exchange. Not Perfect Weekly. This is, in fact, the Puffwa Exchange. And I am Ryan, because who else would I be? And I am P.S. Because who else would I be? Mike. <laughs> I am Julia, and I am laughing at Mike. Can I just say, you could literally torture Mike in a in a concentration camp of sorts for like 78 years, and he would come out, all he would admit is his name, and he wouldn't, all he would say is, Mike. That's all he would, that's all he would get out of him, so... Mike is back. Wait a minute. Did you really just make a concentration camp joke in a room of two Jews? I really did. Well, P.S. is on the border. Mike and I are Jewish. Oops. (laughs) Now we made the podcast offensive to people and we have to start the whole damn thing up. I was actually going for um, whatever the hell John McCain was stuck in. I couldn't think of the words I went with concentration. Prisoner of war camp. Yeah, we have to start the damn thing over again. And welcome back to the Pope Exchange. I am Ryan and I am not making any offensive remarks in this podcast. Yeah. (laughs) 
I like the other one. I think you should keep. I'm very hip. I'm right on the cutting edge. <laughs> Perfect Weekly is not your grandmother's podcast, and you would know that if you listen to Perfect Weekly. This is not Perfect Weekly. This is the Puffla Exchange. <laughs> and by the end of this podcast, I promise to remember the name of the damn podcast. So we're doing very well. But I can tell you the name of the episode we're watching this evening. We are watching episode 19 of the first season of The West Wing. It's called Let Bartlett Be Bartlett, and the reason I can remember that is the word Bartlett is 50% of the title. And I can remember the word Bartlett, so I'm doing pretty damn good. Mazel so, So we are going to um, be doing a commentary of what is perhaps one of the epic episodes of The West Wing. It's one of those episodes where everything before it... I'm trying to think of... What's the literary phrase? Is the epic, epoch, hibernate, EP... Julia, help me out here. Epoch? Yeah. Okay. Epic like, is like on yeah. a huge scale, which this, this episode, episode is also. This episode is the epoch of the first season. It's probably the epoch of probably no, that, the first that's wrong. That's several... Wrong. Okay, how that was wrong? Say something like pinnacle. I don't want to say that. That's, that's not a word I would use. This episode is wicked, wicked important to the first several seasons of the show. Everything before this episode <laughs> is a totally different show from this episode onward. This is the episode where Bartlett puts... Yes, it's a paradigm shift. It's like, you know... It's you're the like, climax. Yes, it's... Well, it's not the climax. Yes. No, it's not the climax. We're the, it's like a year like... This is another. where everyone has an orgasm. It's like... I don't think that's what Julia was going for there. You know, I can't say concentration camp, but she's got the entire West Wing cast having orgasms all over the place. All right, this is the episode where it is like a year like none other, but it does not involve Daddy Snape in any way. This is the episode where Bartlett, oh, Bartlett puts his big boy pants on in this episode, and Leo wastes an entire legal pad and that was also very sad so we are going to jump into uh let bartlett be bartlett we are going to do the old three two one click which unfortunately will bring me the six scenes of the show here including the end credits unfortunately i gotta get away from the bouncing ball unfortunately it is now spoiled the entire episode for me yet again i don't know why i use this but what are you gonna do bastards it involves a memo it involves they are going to go hot air ballooning apparently in Act Three. Um, oh, with the FEC. Oh, That's I know. Oh great. my God, I know what happens. Then they have to beat the balloon down with a stick because it got too high, and then they crashed out here. No, unfortunately, what happens? Ah, if amazing. You, you have to squint here. You have to squint here. This is the episode where Sam unfortunately gets fired because he refers to Admiral Percy Fitzwallace. Uh, what's his first name? His name is Percy. Uh, it, yes. His name is Percy Fitzwallace. He, re- he refers to Admiral Percy Fitzwallace, the first African American chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. It's a military icon. He actually looks at Percy Fitzwallace and looks back. This is the gang warfare episode, so they're trying to get the gangs in and talk to them about their balance. And he actually says, "Beat it with a stick," while pointing at <laughs> Percy Fitzwallace. It's this tremendous. <laughs> it's, it's it's racist. It's 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 disrespectful, and and it's it's, it's just so on the place in this episode. I can't even believe they left they left that in. So okay, we're gonna jump into. It just looks. It's seriously. Look at this. It's Fitz Wallace. It's Sam, and the in the caption is beat it with a stick. What do they want me to think about this episode? All right. Probably that Fitz Wallace was beating the living crap out of Sam. You could just see that he walks in. He looks at Sam. Like, beat it hey, with a Sam, stick. Hey Sam, how's it going? <laughs> Yeah, and unfortunately, if it's if it's Fitzwallis doing the beating, that's 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 just fine. That's what we love. All right, so I'm sorry, Percy Fitzwallis could take pretty much any Percy ever. This is true, except Landingham. Yeah. Except Land. Oh yeah, Mrs. Landingham would except beat. Mrs. Landingham. Would, she would beat him like a rented mule. It would be awful to even. It's it's uncomfortable for me to even think about. So let's jump into the. Leo episode. was in a prisoner of war camp, right? So he could no. take him too. No, he actually was he was not in a prisoner of war camp. Okay. So we are doing three, two, one, click. That was the that was the practice. We are now doing it. Alright. Three, 
two, one, click. <laughs> Ooh, that you we couldn't do that again if you paid me. <laughs> Amazing. I love my clock sometimes. Just wait until it dings twelve times in half an hour. Oh I love I'm love Oh thank God. It's Mandy and she's unemployed. What do they do? <laughs> How could she just vanish? Like she's—I mean, she's an important character in the whole first season. Right. She's not an important. Mike, character. sometimes I wonder what show you're watching that I unfortunately am missing. I don't mean like important. <laughs> like she's not, she's no Leo, but she's—I mean, she's in like half the episodes. I That's mean, why I like the second season more. All right, yeah, so... no Mandy. Now, like can that. I point out? I don't know what episode that was, but when the Supreme Court justice retiring. Rips Bartlett up one end and down the other. That was like a year and a half ago, and it's like they <laughs> nailed it. And... Mm-hmm. Have you noticed that it rains like every day in this particular Washington D.C.? Well, unfortunately, Aaron Sorkin's uh, writing style is have it rain whenever something bad is happening, and unfortunately, <laughs> these people are locked in their trunk of their car and can't get out. So it's it's a bad day every day. They all have windows, at least. Yeah, the real White House, they actually all would have closets. This White House, by the way, bears absolutely no resemblance to the real White House. The real White House, the entire staff area is the size of Toby's office. And they all get mm-hmm. these, like, you know, huge desks and couches. And, no, not so much. Yeah. Yeah, the White House isn't that big. I've been there. I mean, it's big, but it's not that big. Now, I love this plot line here. If the president is in a gym, we should not have a line about this magnificent vista. Yes. That that's important. important. That would be important. Do, do we know why Sam is, like, soaking wet here? It, does he not have, like, a towel of any kind? Or, you know, th- they make these raincoats now with, like, hoods that protect your head. Just throwing that out there for <laughs> review and consideration. You don't say. Okay, never... you know what that was there? That was foreshadowing. Ooh. Ooh. Bum, bum, bum. By the way, just to, so that I can, like, wave my English degree about, um, in Sorkin's thing of having the weather reflect the mood, that right there, that's called pathetic fallacy. Can I just point out here, before this podcast, we, like, went around the table trying to figure out the use of the word epoch, <laughs> and Julia was like, I got no fucking clue, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got it. I knew it. Just PS beat me to it. I, I just point know this out. I don't know what I the word is. So I would get so pissed at work if I were trying to be in the middle of a meeting and people would just walk through to connect to the other side of the building. Like, there's like a whole hallway <laughs> devoted just to this. Although, the one thing. You know what? Can That's I say this? Can I, oh, no, watch this. Watch this right here. Watch this right here. That right there was filmed on two different days. That hallway does not exist. There's two different sets. In the first season, the the West Wing set was in two parts, and that hallway, that yellow hallway, was in each of them. So they would walk into the yellow hallway on set one on a Monday, and then when they would have to complete their walk on, like, Thursday, they would get on the on in the yellow hallway on set two, and they would continue the walkthrough. That's yeah. one of the... No, they do. In the first season, whenever they do those walk and talks, you'll, you might notice that, you know, Dawn is a blonde now. So... They exactly. always walk and like I remember one time I had taped an episode of West Wing and then I needed to tape over it so I was going backwards through it and it was so funny watching them walk backwards well that's all they do it was like it's, it's the most entertaining pa- thing in the world it's 17 pages of dialogue so that's all they really have to do so they just, there's actually an episode where they recap they flash back to their first day in the West Wing and Josh is trying to find the Roosevelt room and Sam's like do you mind <laughs> what, if we talk while we walk and that was the end joke yeah, you know what? You know what I do notice? They're not very concerned with uh, security here. Well, they're in the White House. Well, they're not in the White House. 
Well, no. I mean, the president's job isn't to, like, walk around ducking like an idiot. I mean, there's people there who are paid a lot of money to make sure he doesn't get shot that day. And you, and well, I, I, mean, I didn't mean that, too. I didn't mean the Secret Service, though. I guess it comes to me having read Tom Clancy. I guess I always picture the government being filled with, like, you know, different levels of secret documents and, you know, eyes only for this group, eyes only for that group kind of thing. Well, you don't know that. I mean, he could have been in the Roosevelt. He could have been in the Situation Room all night preparing for a strike on Russia, which we know nothing about today because he's about <laughs> to walk into the room and talk about the magnific- Magnificent Vista. <laughs> Unfortunately, he's in like a gym, which is unfortunate. Hey, guys, this is important. Look what's happening. Bartlett wants to be idealistic, and Leo's like, nah, maybe not. Which is exactly. He doesn't want to be idealistic. He wants the appearance of being idealistic. That's exactly right, Mike. Look Ah, at this. In the last podcast, Mike, we we beat Mike like I said a rented mule, and in this one, he's just coming back and he's just on all cylinders. So well done, Mike. Well done. I live to please. Well, there you go. I think the closed caption is not what they're saying because I can't hear what they're saying. But the closed captions sound really weird and. Oh, the closed like captions are like from the closed captions are from a whole different episode. It's very unfortunate. Yeah, this is why I put it on mute and let my TV do the captioning. I'm doing the closed captioning. Like, it, like there was a sentence up there that I swear to God was not correct English. It was like <laughs> it was like translated into Japanese and then back into English. <laughs> uh, oh, look at Sam's face. <laughs> well, can I just say something? This is the Bartlett. Who, when his <laughs> Toby, <laughs> Toby just there. <laughs> Toby just like puts his head down. That is awesome. Good point out, this is the Bartlett that when they put the wrong speech up, he reads the right one from memory. You don't think as he's reading that he could go, "I'm indoors." <laughs> like I don't know. Bartlett doesn't have his game pants on this first season. That's all. I can yeah, I would just, I would just love to see like the next line of that speech. Oops. As I look out over this magnificent vista. Well, there's two er, types of politicians in the balcony. World. There's Bill Clinton delivering his first State of the Union. They put the wrong speech. I was just going to say that, yeah. So he read mm-hmm. the wrong speech while he, like, gave the death glare to George Stephanopoulos, who went and put the right speech in the teleprompter. And now they're backing it up, so the lines are moving up, they're moving down, they're moving up, they're moving down. He's reading it all while reciting the old one from memory, while not looking like he's having a stroke on national television. <laughs> and then you have um, Gene Pierre. One and one. Didn't go out once, too, though, with, with Clinton, where he just went out and he had to go yeah, he, he had to judge it but then you have Jean Pirro who ran against Hillary Clinton for the Senate seat who lost page six of her um, campaign launch speech and like paused while someone went and printed their other new copy and you never heard of Senator Pirro so I can't see Bush doing that or either not, not to be not the Bush bash but I can't see him he can't read when the teleprompter is working yeah, I was gonna say, I can't see Bush reciting his right, right here, this is an example of Donna being a cabbage head. Josh, explain to me how the appointment process works, because there's some people watching us right now who may not know. Well, thank you, Donna. Excellent question. <laughs> I love in the census episode, it was CJ who had no idea what the hell was going on. That was really cute. Well, the thing I thought was great is she goes out there and explains it every day. She's like the real press secretary. He doesn't know about the Cuban Missile Crisis. You just wing it. Yep. By the way, if you don't know what the Cuban Missile Crisis is and someone asks you, don't respond, oh, those crazy Cubans. <laughs> I'll try I not mean, actually, to. That kind of does fit, though. Couldn't you, why can't okay, you see those crazy let's Cubans? Let's not talk about the Cuban Missile Crisis right no. now. Let's not. Let's not and say we did. Okay. Well done, Mike. I'm hung with some of the egg board. <laughs> These are party people. <laughs> party people. <laughs> I love CJ. She's so awesome.
I want to be CJ when I grow up. Really? That's a good goal. She doesn't look like she enjoys herself too much, though, with her job. I think she does. I think CJ loves her job, and she knows that she's really good at it. Oh, yeah. I think she knows she's really good at it, and I think she enjoys that she has the job, but she seems so stressed out day-to-day that I don't think she enjoys herself while she's doing the job, if that makes sense. She doesn't have the respect of the president yet. Right. She doesn't... I mean, it's one thing to do your job well. It's another thing to do your job well, and your boss thinks you do a shit job. Like, why does it matter? Right. Favorite person, Ryan? The end is near. The end is near. <laughs> Plus, she is Thank God. literally right now, she is, I know no other way of really saying this, she's eating a McShite sandwich at the moment, so I'm okay with it. Yeah, pretty much. You know what would be really cool? If in uh, the, se- the seventh season, she just randomly came back out of nowhere with no explanation either. She's just there. <laughs> like, hey guys. She'd be like, she was there all along. <laughs> yeah. like she was trapped in the ladies' room. <laughs> <laughs> okay, can I just tell you, she's completely screwed up, she's completely screwed the president, who is screwing himself over right now, but I love the fact that every time it gets worse, there's a lightning strike. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, you oh, slam that door in her face. You, is fun. That's right, CJ, you slam that door in her face. That's right, CJ. This is, you know what amuses me more than anything? Leo trying to operate a computer. <laughs> it's like a big old Margaret! Is this the one about the muffin? Yep. Fucking oh, email. That's right. I love that. Margaret My friend actually got some physical fitness. Can you imagine right now if there, if like the nukes go up in the air and the only thing we could do is email the, the Kremlin, but the, the email system <laughs> crashed because Margaret and her muffins. The actual calorie calories. By the way, muffins. for those of you who wonder why Puffwa crashes five times a day now, it's because there's a line of code, much like Margaret's muffin issue. <laughs> we're working to resolve. Yeah, what is that? Did you find out what was wrong? Yeah, we're working on it. Listen to the text about it. I love this here. I hung in there as long <laughs> yeah, as I could. I could. In case you were wondering, <laughs> it was the part about the raisin muffin. <laughs> I, oh, I love the two of them. They should they should have they should have like monkey sex right there. The I love how Josh is just sitting there going, What the hell? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Best line awesome. of this episode has to be, you know, if my numbers go down anymore, I'm just a guy with Bernie Haskell in his office. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. This is the exact thing right now. They could fight, but don't fight, just give in. Don't fight, just give in. And you see this happen twice in the show. You see this happen uh, at this point in the first season, the first 20 episodes, and you also see it happen in early uh, season five with the budget. You see them do they, they do an homage to Clinton's first term. And just to get my political geek hat on for a minute. Bill Clinton ran as a hardcore liberal. He got elected, and he instantly drove directly to the center because of the real state of the country and you know the difficulty in you know making a promise and then getting it done, and the fact that he had no effing clue what he was doing, and the people who worked for him were morons, and they did things, you know, in the most stupid way. So what you saw happen in Bill Clinton's first term, he lost Congress for the first time in four years. He did a miserable, awful, terrible, awful job. And finally after that, you you saw Clinton just compromise, 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 compromise. And finally there was a point in 1995 where he put his foot down and said, I'm not compromising anymore. You'll have to, you know, I'll lose this White House, but I'm not compromising anymore. And this is really the point that you see the Bartlett stuff. And in this episode, you know, they're compromised, compromised, but they're not doing anything. 
and they came here to do great things and they're not getting anything accomplished. And I, I really think that if this episode had gone differently, if this were a real universe, all these guys would have resigned. By the end of the year, they all would have left. I don't think that would have happened. Oh, I think they would. Have. I think in real life. Oh yeah. You know, if this were happening, you see it in the Bush White House. These people, if this were the, the political reality every day, like right here, Sam's trying, you know, fi- you know, fix, don't ask, don't tell. Why is he there? He's getting nothing accomplished. What is, what is Josh getting accomplished? What is CJ getting accomplished? These guys would walk. They, they, I mean, it's leadership and Bartlett is, it has failed very, very much. And I think that if this had gone on much longer, these guys would have just turned around and gone home because they're not getting anything done. Why does it? Uh, maybe I'm. It, this is a stupid question, but why can't the president, as commander in chief, just order whatever he wants done for the army? Because uh, it takes an act of Congress to amend the uniform code. Yeah. I think. <laughs> <laughs> wow! How do you know that? Well done. I am smart. Well done. Thank you. And the thing I love about this is Bartlett is succeeding a Republican one-term president. Was he the one who passed? Don't ask, don't tell. Because <laughs> obviously in the real Wait, world. Wait, Bartlett is succeeding a one-term Republican president? Yes. Really? How's that possible? Uh, yeah. but, Never mind. But that's got to be Mike's the line of the podcast. The real president <laughs> in the universe possible? was Nixon. Was Nixon. Um, uh, the, gotcha. Well, it may have been a one-term. I mean, Leo was the labor secretary five years ago, and is a reference to the fact that the Supreme Court justice waited five years for Bartlett to come around, so that implies that there was a Republican in office for at least four years. But then you have to ask if Leo was such a high-profile Democrat, why would he serve in the Republican White House? Then there's talk that it was Owen Lassiter, who you meet in the fifth season, a former Republican president. Like, he was like the Reagan of the... What? You, right. don't, you don't know. I mean, he, he is certainly succeeding a Republican president. <laughs> okay. Who apparently passed Don't Ask, Don't Tell. <laughs> One of his more brilliant moves, I'm sure. Yeah. I gotta tell you, that was a clinching right there. <laughs> Can I just say this? I love Mandy in this episode only because not only is she just, you know, completely, like, down in the dumps, but she's actually, you know, because everyone looks down on CJ, she is really pushing CJ up there, and that just makes me so very happy. Yeah, makes I always thought, is this the episode where CJ overestimates the polling numbers? Under, yeah, I mean, I'm not overestimates, but, uh, her, like, is the only... No, she the, overestimates. The one, she's the only one that has a positive estimate. Uh no, that's coming up. No. Okay. That's what I was trying to get up. I always thought she did that because she was so insecure that she had to make a point of being. No, she actually believed what she thought. She said what she believed, and everyone kind of patted her on the head and said, "Oh, that's nice." Right. I mean, this is the point of this entire episode. These guys are tremendously, tremendously talented. There's no one else in the world like them, and they are absolutely wasting their time because nothing is going to get done at the end of the day. All right. And, and what's worse is everyone in the room knows that you're a chump. They're, well, I think what's worse is I don't think they would have minded so much if they weren't pretending they were trying to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think what makes it so bad is that they're pretending that they care, or that the that the, gov- that the uh, administration cares when the administration doesn't care. Whereas I think if Bartlett just said, we're not going to touch this issue, they would have been better off with it. Yeah. I mean, y- you're right. I mean, if, if he said we're not even going to touch this issue, then why even bother? I mean, there's a line that Josh says to um, a character named Amy Gardner in the uh, third or fourth season that the president's aides can't just come out and say whatever they want. They have to say the White House line because 
people need to know that when Josh Lyman says something, that he has the ear of Jed Bartlett, and Josh Lyman can't be seen as this fringe lunatic on the edge who Bartlett doesn't listen to, because then he has absolutely no clout when he goes into meetings. You have to walk into meetings like this and think that whatever I say, the president will back me up. Right. You'd make hey, a good that person. guy's wearing a Gryffindor tie, too. Except that's not cool. Oh, what to say about Gryffindor, Julia? That this guy's a schmuck? <laughs> I'm just saying, my toenails are that Josh color is right now, and that's much cooler. Is no, he he's not. A... He's wearing a gray tie. Hey, Ryan, how's it like in Hufflepuff? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. They're absolutely th- they're threatening Josh, and they're throwing it in his face, and he doesn't. Look at this. And he, there's nothing he can do. Because well, they're What's coming. Five for one. <laughs> Uh, it's it's probably a piece of legislation. They are basically coming at him, and the difference in the scene is that they have their boss's ear, and their bosses are ready to go with guns drawn, and Bartlett isn't fighting back. Right. Here's a question for you, Ryan, as a political science person. How much control over the party does the president, if he's from that party, actually have? Um, define the party. Well, I guess, like, who's, who controls the Democrat? They always talk about, you know, the Democratic Party as an entity. Is that is the leader of the Democratic Party the person that's establishing sort of Democratic policy? Is that the president? Uh, if there's a Democratic president? Real fast, the if you're talking about the legal party, the apparatus, the fundraising, you know, the, 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 the people who come to work every day and get paychecks, the people who raise money, it would be um, either the chairman of the party or the incumbent president of the United States, or the party's um, presidential nominee. So right now, the the leader of the Democratic Party is Barack Obama. Um, if if he wins, you know, President Obama will be the leader of the Democratic Party. Um, if McCain wins, he becomes the head of the party. Um, Howard Dean is obviously very <laughs> high up. I mean, but the difference, and I don't want to get into too much in it, but also... I mean, I just want to ask, is there actually, like, in real life, there's this friction between, say, the president of oh, yeah. this yeah. party and then these sort of... Yeah, it depends. Yeah, because you're going to have the move on to other orgs and you're going to have the conservative Democrats. Everyone disagrees on everything. You guys just talked over a fantastic scene with Mrs. Landingham telling the president where he can put his salad. <laughs> I know. <that's laughs> well, you know what? That's why we have Julia here, because Julia will beat us over the head like Dolores and Landingham. She catches the important parts. Yep. That's well, the I'm important parts are, sign- are signified by <laughs> I don't like your humor. I get that a lot. <laughs> uh, I don't what like are they eating? Well, Sam uh, will become the uh, the president's point person on the elimination of the penny shortly, and, and you'll get a lot less. Assistance. What? They're going to eliminate yeah. the penny? Uh, calm down. Yep. Calm down. Calm down. <laughs> they try to eliminate the penny. It's kind of funny. It makes a profit, though. Why eliminate it? <sighs> Just, Mike, that wasn't an invitation to go rant about why you shouldn't eliminate the penny. It's not I'm not real. Saying... I'm disappointed in Sam. <laughs> Okay, that entire conversation just ran in laps and laps. How do you see me? I looked out your window. Why were you in your Why were you in my office? I was looking out your window. <laughs> I like Donna. I love Donna, and Don- I love Josh. Donna is by far the smartest person in the West Wing. She has eight degrees in two years of college. Or no, zero degrees in about eight years of college. Something like that. Yeah. What's F-U-C? 
they keep talking about federal elections. Federal election commission. What they're talking about, for those of you not following, is that the there are seats open in the federal election commission if the president nominates people who want to change federal election laws. The Senate will pass them, and Bartlett's side will have more people on the FEC, and they can get it done. The problem is there's this gentleman's agreement that you split the seats between Republicans and Democrats. So Bartlett is basically going to tell the Senate, "Screw you, I'm in charge," and if he does that, he will win a victory, but he is not inclined well, to The do problem that. isn't the Democrat-Republican thing. He still appoints – he's still going to put up a Democrat and Republican. The problem is it's he's supposed to let the party pick, and he wants to pick someone who's actually going to reform. Yes. More right. or less. It's coming down to does the president want to piss off party heads, party hacks. I like their couch. Which would never fit in the West Wing. That couch is the size of the West Wing. It's like a comfortable couch to sleep on. As Sam can tell you. <laughs> Wait, are they just all, are they all in Sam's oh, office? Your That's uh, Toby's, Toby's. Toby's uh... Can I just point out that Toby not only has a couch, he has a coffee table. Like, really? like <laughs> <laughs> Toby rocks. I like the second year doesn't seem to be going much better than the first. I mean, look at Toby. Toby, <laughs> Toby was wearing cabana wear when he showed up on the day one and now look at them I mean it's just poor Toby I love the lights in the west wing there's like these there's like these like you know like fluorescent bulbs every four feet yeah they look like the lights in our dining room I love how Margaret is about to talk to Toby about (laughs) muffins and email (laughs) (laughs) What was that line was that line in like season six or seven where CJ's just like Margaret you're a very odd woman and I don't understand you (laughs) exactly but you're tall so I like you yes I like that you're tall but it's not her fault because she didn't reply it was the other woman's fault (laughs) (laughs) I passed the point where you're not interested I'm gonna die yeah (laughs) I like that guy too. Mm-hmm. I really like Admiral Fitzwallis. Fitz. I love that. That's That's like if your your phones aren't working, you call the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. Margaret over there is like, oh my god, they're going to blow up Maryland. There's absolutely nothing I can do. (laughs) Not much. 20 billion. Eh. (laughs) You know? Leo reminds me a little bit of Slughorn for PS. I'll say that. What? Is that are you have you just been sitting here for the past like hour and a half trying to figure out why I like him so much? <laughs> no, <I'm>, no. <laughs> no, no the, the difference is Leo does not care about being popular. He cares about getting the job done, but he doesn't care if he has any friends at the end of the day. But the except Bartlett. No, yes, except Bartlett. But the difference is he has friends because he's Leo. The, right. He has friends because he doesn't worry about having friends. You know what? Toby isn't Leo's friend, but Toby would literally walk into fire for Leo McGarry. Yeah. Because Leo would do it for him. Yes. Goes ways. 
Oh, no, I meant for that, for that Leo's... Leo's angsting. When a guy falls in the hole. Six yeah. Well, what, what were you going to say, Mike? Well, as you say, he seems like this, he's the sort of person that kind of pulls all the strings and kind of... Like, it seems like he's the central one that knows everyone. He knows everybody, and, like, he's sort of the... I don't know, the brain or the nerve network that they all branch out from. That makes sense? Yeah, I can see that. I mean, this is the thing. The White House is falling apart. Yeah. Yeah, good point, Donna. Yeah, Donna's Donna really is the smartest Donna person in the West the Wing. Smart one. She's awesome. She's the little love good of this world. Darn yeah. straight. Look at James Madison. Yay, yeah. yeah, Donna. That's right. Hello, Mandy. It's your favorite what the person. Stupid Mandy. Go jump off a cliff or something. You know what? It's not that I think she did anything wrong with the um, Russell paper, although you could admit with the Russell memo that she left the president's team and went to work for the other guy, and that was her disloyal moment, but... Well, she did her job, I mean... Yeah, but sometimes, you know... Johnny Damon controls what team he works for. There's decisions. If she worked for Bartlett and went to work for someone else, you know, you, you live with that, and, and, and it costs you if, if, if you're if you're disloyal. And she was disloyal. She was disloyal. Why did she leave, though? Is there a reason? It's not. It's not really explained. Not I mean, but beyond that, nothing she did here was wrong. Her character just didn't really have a purpose. A purpose. Right. Hey, is that a target of a person behind his head up there? It'd be like a gun shooting target? I sincerely hope not, because that would be a bad omen. No, it looks like a silhouette. It looks like they put the pizza on to cook it. You know, like when they put the pizza in the oven, they have it on a, a tray on a long stick. But it looks like a person, like uh-huh. a person silhouette on a piece of paper. Like, they see, they see, there it is. Oh. No, yeah. it's, it's a pizza. No. No, it's a, sil- it's, a, it's a person. It's a person, but it's not a it's target. Not, it's not a target. Well, here's the thing. Josh can't fix it. It's not Josh's problem. The only one who can fix it is Leo McGarry. Right. Leo's awesome. I love this. I love a lot of things I noticed tonight. Every time something cool happens, I go, oh, I love this. Do you know I've watched this episode 4,012 times, and this is the first time I realized that the guy from Hey Dude is at the uh, (laughs) table. Whoa, back up. Which guy from Hey Dude? The uh, guy who owns the ranch. He's at the table across from uh, from, uh, Sam. (gasps) <gasps> he is! Oh my god! What's well, he, dude? My- <laughs> it's an old TV show, don't worry about it. But, um, well, I'm done now. I can just retire from life. There you go. Can I just tell you here, in any other season, Sam would win this fight. Yeah. Really? What changes in your mind? Uh, the president would back him up. Yeah. I love this part. I love the customary, oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. I love the Admiral. Yeah, I love him too. <laughs> it's not hard to meet you, I can tell. <laughs> yes, I can imagine it would be. <laughs> he won't speak until I speak there while trained. <laughs> 
<laughs> I takes the deal. <laughs> I literally, I just love Percy Fitzwalls. He just walks in like he owns the joint because, let's be honest, he does. <laughs> like, I like this. What is your personal opinion? <laughs> I like his speech too. Yeah. Go, Percy. Woo! <laughs> I agree. The military is inflexible. The military cannot bend. Unfortunately, that means I'm the janitor. You don't think I'm the janitor, do you, boys? That'd be great if he just came out as gay right there. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Beat that with a stick. Beat with a stick. As he puts down the Danish. Actually, if he came out as, as gay right there, he would have violated Don't Ask, Don't Tell, and he would have been out as the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. But uh, <laughs> I do want to apologize. He did not actually you know, get beaten with a stick. Uh, all right. It may yet happen. May we yet do happen. not know. I like that. Even Okay, when he's disappointing Fitzwallace, that's... Bad, bad. Theory. Yeah. Look at his face. Poor Sam. Did the president appoint Fitzwallis, or was he Fitzwallis was, there? He was already there, and I believe he upheld his appointment. Right. CJ. And, th- and, <laughs> and Danny. Danny's also wearing a Gryffindor tie. Woo! You know what I think? I think at the first season they didn't have a lot of money. I actually do think it's actually the same tie. No, it's a different tie. <laughs> well, there's an episode where Bartlett and Horns are wearing the same tie. It pisses me off like none other. Are they? Yeah. Awesome. Oh, I, this part is an interesting part. Well, this is the thing. CJ's wrong. You don't. She is wrong. She's one hundred percent. Well, no, it's not that. Yeah. She's going about the wrong way. You fix the problem. You don't punish the people who point out the problem. Right. It's but, his job. He's doing his job. But no, from CJ's perspective, though, this is all she can do because she can't fix the problem because the problem is the president, and she can't fix the president. But she can try and buy the president time. So for her job, pers- she's wrong. From you know, from the chess perspective, from the perspective of solving the puzzle, but in her particular role as press secretary, the only thing she can do is scream at Jed Bartlett or try and bribe. Um, well, my problem is not that she tries to bribe, Danny. but her whole point when they started interacting like this was that just because they become friends or in a relationship, he can't expect her not to do her job for him. But yet now she's ex- she's expecting him not to do his job for her. She's trying to call in a favor. Right. That's the thing. I mean, yeah. I mean, she's she's. I, I hate to you trying to call it in, but she gets so angry when he doesn't give in. Well, she's a- she's job. angry at the situation itself. She's working for a brilliant right. guy who's just not getting the job done. I mean, she's incredibly frustrated in her job. She's not trusted, you know. And she's gonna take it personal. She's gonna snap. I mean, that's. Yeah, I don't think I don't think she's pissed at Danny. I think she's just pissed at Bartlett, but as she can't scream at Bartlett, she screams at Danny. Well, I feel sorry for Danny. Yes, me too. I would really like it if Danny could get some. The one episode I didn't um partic- I didn't like very well was it was a couple of episodes ago. It was when um she tried to leak the fact that the that the Bartlett administration was cowering. She actually tried to get that out there. She wanted that to be reported on. And she made a comment to Danny, like, we're very, very good. We'll, we'll, we're going to cover this up and you're not going to see it. And she was upset about that. It wasn't that complicated. Like, Danny, mm-hmm. it's not like, you know, ooh, we found the secret. It's, I always thought that 
the, the, she takes things personal. Well, no, they portrayed the Bartlett administration in previous episodes as far too competent and far more competent than it actually is at this point right. in the timeline. It seems to be a theme you have, Ryan, that it takes a while for the for all administrations well, to no, I mean, Not all administrations, no. just this one. I mean, the Clinton administration, you know, in 1995, the president had... He had a paradigm shift. He said, screw this, I'm going to stand by my principles. And I'm not saying he did it the rest of his presidency, but that was a moment he didn't. He broke the other guy rather than being broken himself. <laughs> oh. Ooh. Well, this is it. They're all losing it. They're all going over. I mean, you've seen. Josh go over the top because he's worried about Leo. You've seen Sam go over the top because he's trying to get his job done. You've seen CJ just go over the top. Toby, you never really know if he goes... Well, if Toby goes over the top, you know it. Uh, yeah. With his brother? No, I mean, just in ordinary conversation. Okay. Toby goes over the top, you know it. Uh, like yeah, Toby, Toby screams. He gets sarcastic, too. He breaks yeah. the White House in one episode, as I recall. Which one? He does break the white up, break the white house. He breaks Leo's door in one episode, I think, or the door won't open. And he's like screaming at the oh, door God. open. Yeah, I mm-hmm. remember that. Does mean anything? Anything but a waste of time. Yeah. Yep. No, no, it's not anything. And you know what? The point isn't to win. The point is to try, and that's the entire theme of what makes you. I mean, you have to have a little. You need to have the Joshes. You need to have the people who can get things done. But the point is to try. Show up. Oh, she's this being poor a hacker. Still on the muffins. <laughs> 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 Toby. <laughs> I think it's hilarious that it's Toby that she's talking to. Julia, unfortunately, <laughs> just scared the crap out of us all. <laughs> Sorry. Hold on, I'm gonna put myself on mute and put my head. Take one of those God. muffins down to the lab. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just point out? I always have wanted a lab. You don't have one. You're mocking me now. (laughs) (laughs) Can I just tell you Margaret's going to come home at the end of the day? You don't know if she has a husband or whatever, but she's going to come home and be like, you will not believe the day I had. (laughs) Well, here's my question. In this whole episode, at the end of the day, does anyone do anything about the muffins? Okay, Mike, that's the perfect question for you to ask. (laughs) Can I just say I'm very upset because Bernie Haskell is until the next episode, and I was waiting for that line, and I just realized that. Oh, here's the great line. We dropped five points in a week. Now here's the here's the best line that just articulates and crystallizes the problem. We got five points in a week. We didn't do anything last week. <laughs> it reminds me of the line of the famous Democrat when Nixon won re-election and won forty nine of the fifty states. He didn't win Massachusetts, and for that there were bumper stickers a couple of years later that said, "Don't blame me. I'm from Massachusetts." But Nixon, yeah, my he, mom had one of those. Yeah, when he was re-elected, he had he won forty nine states. It was the biggest land blowout in in the history of American politics. You know, no, since, it wasn't. Since George Washington, okay, he was Madison. one of the biggest. Oh, whatever. It was one of the biggest <laughs> blowouts in, in American history. And there was a high-profile Democrat. The next day, after he won like a hundred to two, this this huge, this high-profile Democrat said, "How could he have won? Nixon won? I can't believe it. I don't know anyone that voted for him." <laughs> and it's, it's just the Leo thing here. How how could we come down? We didn't do anything last week. It's just it's you you were so out of. Yeah, I have a friend who works for the Obama campaign, and he was saying the same thing. How they were all convinced they were going to win Ohio by a landslide. 
Well, he won, he still won, so. He still won, but I guess it's the same mentality, I think, when you're inside of it. You don't, you know. The thing about Jed Bartlett, which is the, the quality that you want in the leader, is you want someone to stand in the room with five people who think you're a moron and say, or not a moron, but people who disagree with you vehemently, and you want to say to them, convince me I'm wrong, and you want to hold your ground with them, and if you can convince them, you're going to be okay. But people who exactly. want to be, I mean, that's just it. I mean, this is it right here. This is it getting layered and layered, and they're either going to get buried or they're going to fight. Right. And what you're doing's not working? Try something else. And now, how long, this is what I asked before, how long do you think these people are, are going to stay in these jobs? Listen to Sam right now. They're so frustrated and disappointed. It was fine. It was a fine meeting. He's Same losing the, we've been having all year. He's the, he's losing the troops. Everyone is miserable. The game plan is not working. How, like, and here's the thing, you know, for all the bashing that George Bush gets, how would you want to be a staffer in that White House right now? You're not going to get anything done. What you do get done, you're going to be, you know, before congressional hearings. I mean, it's going to be the most awful work environment. Yeah. And you blame the guy at the top. He sets the tone. Yeah. Look how tired he looks. But he hasn't done anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you see, he uh, wakes up energized, but he never goes to bed that way. Yeah. He's driving the bus. He has no one to blame but himself. This is just, you know, since John Spencer left us, this is just such a... It's when John Spencer through Leo, or Leo through John Spencer, grows a pair of balls just for a second. Right. Here it comes. Ah, oh, well done, Leo. Hmm. This is the best. This is one of the best friendships, relationships in TV, books, whatever. Well, they're they're the mother and the father, essentially, of, of the White House. And, yeah. I mean, Leo, you know, it's Leo's job to keep the president at peak efficiency. So, you know, where the hell is Leo all this time? So he definitely shares some of the blame, too. Although, you know, all of the blame is, is goes to Bartlett, and some of that blame that goes to Bartlett also goes to Leo. But, I mean, these two guys are driving the country. Right. Right here. Here we go. They did not. Dangle our feet. <laughs> In the water or whatever the hell is. <laughs> the fascinating version of this. Mandy, who? <laughs> I like this. He's like, excuse me, I don't remember voting for myself on the ballot. Dripping <laughs> in from where? You dangle on a ball. <laughs> I love this, and I think it's just I love Sorkin's dialogue too. I can't remember who it's it was. It was one of the, it was someone who it wasn't Sorkin. I think it was uh, Tommy Schlamy, who um, was the director of many of the first season episodes. He's married to um, can't think of the actress's name. She was on uh, Studio Sixty. She was the mother on Jack and Bobby, and she was on Chicago. Christine Lottie, um, it's the husband of Christine Lottie. Uh, he was he was um, Leo to Aaron Sorkin's. Um, Bartlett, and right. he remembered being on the scene this night, and he drove home going, oh my god, I can't believe what I just witnessed. I just witnessed Martin Sheen and John Spencer do this amazing thing that 
Somebody watched their DVD commentary. Yes, you did. <laughs> and yes, you did. somebody else watched it too because she recognized it. There you go. <laughs> I love this right here. Look at this. Look at this twenty-one-year-old boy who dates your daughter, whose life is in danger, and you get up every day and you get breakfast served to you in bed, and you can't even afford to take a few risks in this job. Right. Now this. Is- I- what I really want to know is, can the rest of the staff hear this conversation from Leo's office? I well, mean, they're kind the of showing. The, the, the real oval is soundproof, but the uh, West Wing oval is not. <laughs> but, can I just say something, too? I think the scene, you know, not to nitpick at all, but I think the scene was um, obviously written before Aaron Sorkin came up with the deal that Jed has with Abby. The deal they made before he ran. What right. Deal? You don't know yet. Oh. I want to speak now. Unless Bartlett has already decided he's going to ignore said deal, which obviously he could have. I don't think he I don't think he sent a memo to Horns, which... Well, here's the thing where Bartlett... What deal is it? I'm so curious now. This is the whole thing where, you know, unfortunately Leo just destroys an entire legal pad. And I I always wanted the last episode, when Bartlett opens the package on Air Force One, I always wanted it to be that legal pad. Yeah, (laughs) but it wasn't. It It was close. It was close. This is it right here. Listen to the music. Listen to the tempo. Listen to the. This is the. Series. I love this. Oh, I have it's my favorite you. scene of the whole season. Yay! I love this. That's it. Try run into walls full speed. Doesn't matter. This is the equivalent of everyone standing up and cheering for Hagrid, only like a million times better. Now watch this. <laughs> Just look at the looks in their eyes. Look. Look at even Toby. It's harder to watch than Toby. You really have to stare for a couple minutes, but. <laughs> Yay. He's, like, shaking, so... Let that be our legacy. My favorite responder here is Toby. Yeah. It's like Josh is just starting to try it on. CJ is fully on board from the start. (laughs) Sam is respectful. And Toby's like, this may just work. (laughs) I love Toby. But don't, I'm not signing the house on it. <laughs> this is easier <laughs> than me. I mean, he's the private. Yeah, they're all smiling. You know, it probably would have killed the move if someone's like, you know, uh, dude, it's 2 o'clock in the morning, can we start first thing in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved that. Oh, look, he Yay. can walk. <laughs> Who knew? I mean, that's it. I mean, that's... And that's it. I love the way it manifests itself. You can take your legislative agenda and shove it up your ass, click. As it turns out, I was fine! (laughs) (laughs) That was in season two, right? No, that's the next episode. That's season one. That's the beginning of the the next episode? Ah, yes. Take your legislative agenda and shove it up your ass. Well, that's the one with Bernie Haskell. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I love the next episode, too, because it's the whole scene where Bartlett has to, um, he gets the guy, he fires the ambassador to, like, Bolivia or whatever, and he, oh, has, yeah. and he has to get him a job on a corporate board, so he's like, listen, buddy, I need you to hire this friend of mine. Oh, sure, sir. Sure, sir. Um, who is he? He's my former ambassador to Bolivia. Isn't he your current ambassador to Bolivia? Unfortunately, I had to fire him. Why was that, sir? Was I was incompetent. <laughs> <laughs> Which is actually the reason I, when I fired Jen off the Puffle Forum last year. I'm like, gross incompetent. Gross incompetent. Actually, but I think one of my favorite lines ever is on the next episode, where um, 
the one of the guys was being promoted to the Federated States of Micronesia, and then Bartlett, right. like goes on and makes a whole list about like the average rainfall in the Federated States of Micronesia, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And Toby's just like, "Sir, why would a person have that information at their disposal?" And Bartlett looks him dead in the eye and goes, "Parties." <laughs> I, love <that. laughs> I love the West Wing. You know it's, it's like you can watch the show wall to wall, and well, aside from fifth season, but you can watch the show wall to wall, and it's just such a, it's such a real universe, and it gives you so much hope for the world. It's just, it's just, it's one of my favorite shows because there's so much. I'm a political geek, so it's hard for me to judge what non-political geeks. Like, who here is not a political geek by any stretch of the imagination? Me. Like, okay, what is the about the West Wing that gets you? Um, I don't know, which I know is not helpful, but there's just something about it. Maybe it's what I've been saying all night. It's try effing hard. And if you, if you fall down, get up and try effing harder. Yeah. And that's, and that's it. I don't know. Yeah. I also really, I really just love Aaron Sorkin and I just love his style and I just love everything about him. What do you think of the show after he leaves? Last two years. Uh, well, the fifth season, I just prefer to ignore. Um, the sixth and seventh season, I think the show went in a really interesting direction. Um, there were certain things about it I didn't like, and I think that the level of, like the sort of the pace of the show, really took a downturn, and it became less about the issues of the current presidency and more about well, the election. The I didn't really like that, but that kind of had to happen. What I don't mind about that so much is that the, the show is about the West Wing. It's about the, the halls of power. It's about being able to affect change. And you literally have five years of the show, four very well done, one not so much, where you see people every day trying to make the country better. And you see them trying to do big things and fail and little things and succeed. And, and you get this, you know, it's like one of the, the, the most influenced Toby had in the first season is you got a Supreme Court justice uh, appointed, and he got a homeless veteran a, a funeral, which had a, a broader impact. I mean, that's the question. But when you look at the entire show itself, the last two seasons are really about, you know, how do you get to the West Wing? What does it take to get one person and elect them to that office? And what do they have to compromise on? And what do they believe in that they have to hide? And, and do you hide it or do you scream it from the rooftops? And you, it doesn't matter if you lose. Like this episode tonight, does it not matter if you does it is it more important to lose the White House in your campaign and be a good person, or should you compromise to get into that position so you can then be a good person? Or if you do that, will you ever stop compromising? I mean, I think it's just a really fascinating question. So I don't mind that you don't you're not in the White House for the last two years because I think it's really more important to show how you get there. Is, right. Is, is my little monologue on that. Right. Well, I agree with you, but I think that um, a big, like, like I said before, or at least I don't know if it was in this episode or the last one, but a good portion of I think what makes this show so awesome is just the way that the like these five people interact with each other, and when you pull one or two of them away, you know, it changes that whole dynamic, and I think that makes the show a little bit less appealing than it was before. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, like when John Spencer died. I think if the show had continued much beyond his death, you would have felt an enormous loss. And I think one of the most poignant things about the last five, six episodes of the show is that his loss is felt in every scene because every character and every actor just is, it feels that loss so greatly that it's like he's there in spirit because they are, because he's the focus of everything that's done. But yeah, I mean, and, and you know what? There are characters who leave the show. There are characters who come out of the woodwork and join the show and they all bring something unique and they all take something away with them. But I think the show never loses its heart. 
I think that's the most important thing. The heart changes, it, 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 it evolves over time, and it, it never stops being the West Wing. It, it dims very much in the fifth season, but the show, you know, from wall to wall, with the, with the middle kind of cut out a little bit, it, it's always the same. It's always the same show, and I think that's why it, it's... I watched every... I gave up on it, I won't lie. I gave up on the show in the fifth season, and I didn't watch the first half of the sixth, but I came back in, and I caught up on everything, and I just... I just it's, it's one of my top three favorite television shows. It's just such a great show. Yeah. I agree, Ryan. Well, it was bound to happen at some point. What do you think, what do you think P.S.? I, it might just actually be my favorite show. I'm really not sure. It's kind of one of those deals where it's like, I, if it's not, I'm not sure what comes above it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, it, for me, it's all about the way government should work. Because I can remember, I started watching this show during the 2000 election time period. And as I was recovering from what me, I, I was 12 years old. And I was really, for the first time, very excited about politics, and I was very excited about Gore. And it really, it, it hurt me a lot to see him, to see the 2000 election happen like that, especially me being so young. It's like one of the first, yeah. like, political experiences I ever had. And then I watched, started watching The West Wing, and it was like, it really, I think it cemented me as a lifelong Democrat. Because what I was feeling, what I had felt during that election was on the show. It was, it was like speaking to me in a very special and very meaningful way. So that's why, that's why the show holds a really special place in my heart. I, I think that it's even more so than being liberal or being conservative. And I will say this, I'm, I'm being careful not to spoil it for Mike, but, um, there are conser- there are conservative characters who come on the show in the last couple of years prominent conservatives or prominent Republicans who I think at times are far more ethical and they are far more politically brave than the liberals. I think there, there are points where it doesn't, the, 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 la, the, the last few years of the show, I think Wells does a much better job than Aaron Sorkin of showing that it doesn't matter what you believe. You know, like maybe Ainsley Hayes right. is the exception, but they show in a prominent episode, they show a, a Republican character make a very bold, very brave decision, and you see it, and you see the liberal Democrat pander. And I, you know what? I, I think that was a very brave, that was a very helpful thing for the show to do because it showed that it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean if this D next to your name, you're going to, you're going to be all right and you're in the right position. And, and, the, and these guys are wrong, but I think what, PS saying too is it's so difficult to believe in something and have it lose. And I remember they um the midterm episode. It was the second episode of the second season, the midterms. There's a scene in it where Bartlett is obsessed because a guy he ran against forty two years ago for school board that he kicked the guy's ass and the guy's coming he's making a political comeback now. Bartlett's the leader of the free world and this guy's still running for school board and it looks like the guy's gonna win. And Bartlett can't stand the fact that this guy will win a school board seat because he just can't stand this guy. And he wants to put the power of the presidency against the school board seat and this completely inappropriate That's thing. That's pretty petty. And CJ yeah. But it's just because he, well, Bartlett's got some other issues going on at the same time, but it's Bartlett, and CJ sits him down and says, this is a democracy, and every once, and every once in a while, the other guy wins. And they re-aired that episode the night that Gore conceded the election. Aww. Um, and you know what? It's, it's absolutely true. Sometimes the other guy wins. And 
the I mean, a lot of people have bad feelings about the 2000 election, and they do the you know the, the you know Bush was selected and Gore was elected and all that. I mean, the 2000 election, you had two teams playing politics, and Bush's team played politics a lot better than Gore's team did, and Bush won, and he ran for re-election, and he won, and Obama is running for election now, and I personally, regardless of where my vote will go, think he will win. I mean, I think that I mean that's just the political reality of it and you gotta roll up your sleeves and you gotta accept the fact that the other guy won and you gotta just try harder next time and i think the thing about the west wing is these people are not petty and there's even a great scene where they show um later in the show that they're going up towards an election for president and you see the two candidates for the presidency both look you know to their staffs say if i lose this right now i'm gonna bow out gracefully and they it doesn't matter how you i mean let me even say this it doesn't matter in the west wing world how you win what matters is how you lose how you handle that right and if, as long as you do it with grace you're, you're gonna be okay yeah I get very long-winded when it comes to the West Wing. It's fascinating. I was about to say, so Ryan just now put me to sleep, and apparently Her I just got the shit out of him when my headset fell off. Ryan has now put me to sleep, so I think maybe it's time to go. All right. Well, why don't you put your headset back on, then we'll say goodnight. All right. My headset's back on now. All right. So after that monologue, uh, thanks for joining us for the West Wing. We'll be back with many more episodes, and right. we'll uh, see you back next time on the Puffalo Exchange. Have a good night. Bye. Bye.